Sweet, sweet. I got a good word for you guys. Are you guys ready for the word of God? Uh, you guys ready for the word of God? Say amen. All right. So I'm about, to, I'm about to give you the word of God today. We are in a series called Game Changers. We're in a series called Game Changers because we really believe that God has ordained you and has prepared you to be a game changer in this generation. That God has an actual purpose for your life. That you're not here just to work a nine to five. You're not here just to retire early. You're not here just to enjoy the 60 years of whatever life you think you're going to create here on this earth. That God actually has a purpose and a plan for you, right? A purpose and a plan that will not just shape the way you live, but it will change the trajectory of those around you. That if you're willing to step into that, if you're willing to have the trust to believe that God can actually use you you can actually change the trajectory of your neighbors, the trajectory of your siblings, the trajectory of your family, the trajectory of those around you forever. You guys have to realize something, right? Your pastor, PT, as awesome as I am, right? I am a product. I am a product of a game changer. You guys know that, right? That in high school, there was somebody who was willing and having the courage to come and change the trajectory, not just my trajectory, because the moment she changed my trajectory, she changed my wife's trajectory, right? Not only she changed my wife's trajectory, she changes the trajectory of my whole entire family. A whole legacy is created because someone was willing to step into and have the courage to be a game changer. You guys follow me, right? And so we talked about that. We talked about, we're going through like some qualities, some characteristics of a game changer, what that looks like. And last week we talked about a game changer understands the need for community, right? Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. Right? Look at them and realize, I need you, right? A game changer realized they can't do things on their own. That you're not meant to do things on your own. You shouldn't do things on your own. You cannot possibly be a lone wolf in this world and actually think you're going to make it. You cannot do it on your own. But the problem is, listen up, the problem that keeps us from building community, from connecting with people, the problem is, remember, pride. Pride. Inward expression of pride, outward expression of pride. Pride keeps you from connecting to people. Pride keeps you from wanting to keep your glory instead of actually building and sharing glory. Pride keeps us from actually elevating each other. And all we do is we create shallow relationships with one another, right? Pride. I'm gonna tell, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, like um, two weeks ago we went to this retreat, right? And I, I was, there's this dude, they said, oh, Tony, Go wrestle him. You know, I was like, all right, I can wrestle him, right? Like, I was, I, can I wrestle in high school? I was like, I, I can take them. He was a big guy. I was like, I can do this, right? My wife was like, you are not young anymore. Please don't ever try that again. So I, I came down and I wrestled. Nobody told me homie was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, okay? So <laughs> the moment I grabbed his leg, I knew my life was over, right? Like, you, you know, like, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've been with someone who's actually practicing, you, you can feel... Like, the muscle understands what's going to happen next, right? The moment I grabbed it, I'm like, I'm dead. I am dead. And so he, he rocked me so hard, he, he cracked my neck, right, to a point where I couldn't turn left for two weeks. Like, you know, like, when you sleep wrong, you couldn't turn left, right? I thought it was going to be over, but I couldn't do it for two weeks. I was like, but I refused to ask for help. I was like, it's just going to be gone, right? I'm not going to show that I'm weak. It'll, it'll go away, right? For two straight weeks, it did not go away. So finally, finally, I gave up. I was at men's group yesterday. I, I was like, huh. I said, guys, my neck hurts. 
I can't turn left. And then one of the guys like, stupid, why don't you tell me earlier? I have this neck machine. And he's like, what? So he pulls out this machine. It was crazy. He made me lay down. He strapped my neck to this thing, right? And he says, here's a pump. Just pump it. And I was pumping it. And as I was pumping it, it stretched my neck like up, right? And I was like, whoa, what is this? I, I, kept, I think I grew an extra inch. I just kept doing it because I was like, oh, I can grow a little taller like this, right? So <laughs> decompressed my spine, you know, like, like go. And, as I, and it felt so good. I was like, dang it. What kept me from building that community? Pride. Right? I was like, I can do this. I, can, I, don't, I don't need that. I can heal by myself, right? Stupid, okay? Right? Pride. Pride keeps us from building community and a game changer. Someone who understands how to, uh, who, who, who wants to change the trajectory of someone's life realizes something very important. You need community. Right? But today I want to share something else too. A game changer understands that you need to plan. Yeah? You need to plan. But James, the letter that we're reading through, he says there's a way in which you plan that if you don't plan right can actually become destructive. There's a way in which you plan that if you don't plan correctly can actually become ruinous and can actually become dangerous for you. How many of you guys have made goals like this? I'm going to graduate school in three years and then get a job. Or you know what, I'm going to get married by 26 and have babies by 28. Right? Or, <laughs> like, not me, right? I'm going to start my business and retire by 50. We all have goals. These are goals. They're not bad goals. We all have plans. And it's good to plan. But James today is going to tell us something. The way in which you plan, if you do not plan it correctly or accordingly, it can actually become ruinous to you. The dreams that you have, the goals that you set, the schedules that you make, if you do not create it in such a way that is beneficial, that is going, that, that is well, it's going to be destructive and ruinous for your life. And so today we're going to uh, highlight a couple of things. What is the problem that James is talking about when it comes to planning? Okay. Why is it dangerous, this problem? Why is it destructive? And how do we remedy this? Okay? What is the problem that James is talking about when it comes to planning? Because we all need to plan. You know, there's a phrase that says, failure to plan is planning to fail. Right? We all need to plan. We don't live a YOLO life. You're like, I'm living for the moment, okay? You're going to fail, okay? We all going to plan something. But James is saying there is a problem in the way in which you plan. We're going to see what is so dangerous and what's the problem of that and how to remedy it. You guys, you guys follow me? All right, open your Bibles, chapter, James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. All right, if you guys don't have a Bible, there's a green Bible in the pews around you, page 848. Okay. James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. Let me tell you guys what's going down. James is a letter uh, written by James, right? He is the half-brother of Jesus, okay? James was, he, he, was, he, he wasn't a really big believer until... Until his brother resurrected from the dead. And he's like, whoa, shoot. God, is Jesus is real. This is actual real. So he ended up being a pastor at the church in Jerusalem. He was pastoring all these people for a while until persecution came out. And then all these Jewish Christians were being hunted down for their faith. And so they were scattered throughout the Roman world. They were, they were spread out throughout the Roman world. And everywhere they went, they made tiny little pockets of of communities, tiny little pockets of faith communities. And it was such a beautiful thing because the, the dream was, here you are now all over the world making tiny little pockets of faith communities. You should be changing the world. You should be redeeming the world. You should bring some sort of new light to the world. You should bring Eden back to this world. But as they were out there, what ended up happening was instead of actually becoming game changers, 
They begin to fight with one another. They begin to bicker and become bitter and angry within the church because when they were out there, they faced a lot of obstacles, struggles. They couldn't find jobs because they were Jewish Jews. No one liked the Jews, right? Even the Jewish people didn't like them because they were Christians. The husbands couldn't find work. The wives were harassed in the markets. The children were uh, made fun of in school. They just were struggling left and right. And so that caused, it, that caused infighting within the community. And so James, their pastor, who hears about this 15 years after the, the persecution, he writes them this letter to remind them of what it looks like to live a life of faith, to live a life that actually can change the world around you, to live a life that can actually make good to the things around you, to actually redeem and rebuild Eden. There's certain things that you need to really remember and work with and deal with in your life if you're going to be a game changer in this generation Right? And I really believe that, guys. I really believe that God has a plan for us, that God's going to use you for something amazing. But here's the thing, right? Are you able to hear what he's saying? Because he has a way of doing it. Right? He, doesn't, he, does, he doesn't back your plans. He backed his plans. Right? He's going to change the world with or without you. But he wants to use you. So what are some of the issues? First thing today we're going to talk about is planning. We all like to plan. We all love to plan. Some of you guys are type A about planning. Okay? But there's a way of planning that can be destructive, ruinous, right? that can be dangerous for you. James chapter 4, verse 13 and 17. Let me read it for you guys and we're going to break it down. Okay? Listen now. Now listen. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Let me bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, so much for your word this morning. I ask, God, that as it is spoken, would you just help us to reflect and see our hearts. Help us, Father God, to understand the deep issues that's going on below the surface, Lord. Help us to not live so, in such a shallow way but have depth to the things that we do. Help us, Father God, not to worry so much about the surface but then deal with the actual depth of our hearts and our lives. And, Lord, as, we, as your word is preached, I pray, O oh God, that you would open ears and open hearts. I pray, Lord God, that you would um, stir affections for you, O oh Lord. And I pray, God, that you would use me, unworthy as I am, as your, as your mouthpiece to preach your message today. I praise you. I thank you. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Look at verse 17. He says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, since what is the good that you're supposed to know and not do and didn't do it? What is the good that you were supposed to know? Okay. Look at verse 13. It says this. You go out and you say this, today or tomorrow we will go to the city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, business and make money. That's a goal. That's a plan. That's a schedule. Right? That's you coming and saying, you know, I'm going to conduct an appointment with so-and-so. I'm going to start this relationship next year with so-and-so. I'm going to go and get this job. I'm going to go and actually uh, prepare this business. It's a goal. It's a schedule. It's a plan. What's so bad about that? What's missing from that? What is wrong with that? He says that if, 
You know the good you ought to do and don't do it. You sin. So what is the good that we're supposed to do? Look at 17. It says this. Oh, 15. I'm sorry, 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So here's one way of saying it. I'm going to go for a year, work, make some money. The other way of saying it, if it's the Lord's will, I will live and go and do this. He says, if you know the good you ought to do and don't do it, you sin. What is the good? What is it about planning that if you don't plan accordingly, can become destructive, dangerous, ruinous to your life? You know what it is? It's not remembering God in your plans. Not remembering God in your plans. Not remembering God when you begin to start a relationship. Not remembering God when you begin to conduct a business. Not remembering God when you go to an appointment. Not remembering God when you go about your life. Not remembering God when you make these plans. He says, there's a way to plan. Look at the person next to you and say, plan with God. Say, plan with God. Let me tell you guys something, okay? The problem that James is saying, there's an issue when you plan. When you plan your life. Okay, when you plan your life in a way where you take God out of the picture, he's saying that this can lead to something very dangerous. This can lead to something very ruinous for you. This can lead to something very, very destructive for your life if you plan without God. Because we know God likes plans. You guys get me? He's not telling you to be YOLO for Jesus here, okay? Everyone who thinks that Christians are all about, like, just live for the moment, I don't worry about the future, it's just, like, all about God. That's dumb, okay? God's plan had a plan from the very beginning. The moment people screwed up, what did he do? He made a plan to redeem everything. The history of our lives, the fact that we're living it out right now, is part of God's plan to redeem. God has a plan. So planning is not the issue. The issue is planning without God. The issue is when you begin to step into the realm of scheduling your life, into the realm of scheduling your future, making goals, and not bringing God into those things. All right? You, you guys know, I mean, I don't, I don't need to tell you that this is a bad thing. You guys, you guys understand this, right? You guys understand the issue behind this. You guys understand why this is a, um, a problem. Okay? When you, when you get, like, you know, when, when all your buddies get invited to a wedding, and for some reason, you didn't, Right? What goes through your mind? Like, did they forget me? Right? Like, is my invitation in the mail? Right? <laughs> oh, it's in the mail. Right? For the past six months, it's, it's just it's getting lost in there somewhere. The idea of being forgotten is worse than the idea of being criticized. Right? To be criticized, you're still dealing with somebody. But to be forgotten means that you no longer see that person as important. You no longer see that person of worth, of value. The biggest sin that the people in the Old Testament did was they forgot God. The biggest issue that he had with them is that you forgot me. And he kept saying that if you forget me, I will forget you. I know you guys are thinking, man, God sounds kind of needy. Right? I mean, it's not going to, God sounds a little, I had a girlfriend like that, does not sound too good. Do not want that, right? God sounds, look, remember me. Know me, like don't forget me, put me into your plan, schedule me into everything, right? That sounds a little needy, right? Doesn't sound a little needy, let's be honest. It does, right? But there's a reason for that. Because I didn't just throw this out there for no reason. 
God doesn't say, I want you, I want to be part of your schedule. I want, I want, I want you to plan with me for no reason. Because there is a, there's an issue. There is a, there is a danger when you plan something without God. You guys want to know what the danger is? You want to know? Because you're thinking like, I, I want to know. Because this sounds kind of like, kind of weird, right? The danger when you begin to plan things without God comes in two ways. Okay, look at verse uh, 14. He says this, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Can I tell you something? God does not need you. Okay? He has existed way before you and he will exist way after you. He does not need you, but he knows something. You need him. Even though you may not want to need him, he knows that you need him. And when you begin to have a plan and you forget God within that plan, do you know what it indicates about your heart? Do you know what underlining circumstances that is driving your heart? He knows that there is something else that is at the center of what's driving you. He knows that when you are making a plan, a decision, a schedule, a goal, and you don't include him into that, you don't include him into the process, he knows that there is something else driving that. And that something else is missed. It's not constant. It's here, and then it's gone. Isn't that true? Right? If you make a, let's say, for example, you're going to start a relationship, and you don't want to put God into it, because I don't want God to dictate to me, like, who to sleep with, how to sleep with them, or what to do. I don't want God to dictate my relationship. I want to do my own thing in a relationship. I want to I devote my relationship of God. He says, listen, first of all, I don't need you, but I know you need me, because the problem is when you begin to walk in that way, when you begin to say, my relationship is all about me, I don't need God, what you're really honestly deeply saying is that something else is going to drive me. The love is going to drive me. My, my affection for this person is going to drive me. My, my care for this person is going to keep me having an identity and a worth. And here's the problem with that. That love is always so what? Fleeting, isn't it? It's missed. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It's never constant. You want it to be constant. You wish for it to be constant. But you know, human love is fickle. Today, you're all about, I love you. Tomorrow, is like, get away from me, right? You know it's fickle. And he knows that. The one constant that's always been there is him. He is the strong tower. He is the rock, the Bible says. In Isaiah when God's people have messed up before God and they were turning, they were turning to kings, they were turning to men to deliver God's people. Isaiah said this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I looked up and I saw God on his throne. You know what he was saying? He said, this kings that I have placed so much of my people, my, my people have placed so much hope in, this king, as great as he is, has died. No longer around, no longer the fortress, the fortress no longer the strength. But guess who is still there? My God. See, God says, look, the issue is I want to be part of your plan. I want you to include me in your schedule and your plans and your goals because I know that if you were to place anything else, it's missed. Here they, gone tomorrow. You put, your, you put your focus, you put your plan into your job, that it becomes your driving force. It becomes your worth, your identity. And all of a sudden what happens? You don't get the job or you don't get into the school. All right? You want so bad to be a doctor or a lawyer, and you find out you end up not getting to that school. All of a sudden, this 
constant that you felt your identity was now shifting, moving here and there like mist. The number one issue is this. First issue, why planning without God is so dangerous, destructive, and can be ruinous to your life. And you have to be honest with this, right? Is that whenever you begin to plan and you forget him, it's you telling him that he's not important. If he's not important, then something else must be important. And God is saying, look, what is it that's so important to you? Oh, that love? Oh, that money? Oh, that relationship? Oh, that family? That was so important to you? That is fleeting like a mist here and gone. You know, I've never seen a bride. I've seen a couple weddings, a few weddings. I've, uh, orchestrated, uh, I've ordained or I've, I've done a few weddings, right? Officiate, officiate a few. Thank you, Evan. Officiate a few weddings. I have never seen a bride walk down the aisle halfway down and said, oh, shoot, I forgot my makeup. Got to go back. I've never seen that happen. I, I think I'll never, I, I don't think I will ever see that happen. You know why? Because it's so important, right? You know that's a, the, the bride every morning at 6 o'clock, I mean, even earlier probably, right, 4 or 5, they get up just to do that fate. It takes forever to do that, right? It takes forever. They will never forget that because why? That's important. But when you begin to engage in a plan and a schedule and goals and you leave God out, what you're really saying is that, God, you're not really important. And God's saying, okay, I get that. But you know why that's so dangerous for you to put me out of this plan? It's dangerous because now you're holding on to something that's fleeting. That I care for you enough. God said, I care for you enough to know that you need something constant. You need a love that is constant, not fickle. You need a love that's not based upon emotion or condition or contract. You need a love that is unconditional throughout time. But here's the second thing. To forget God, this is what he says in verse uh, 16. As it is, when you forget God and you make your plans, your goals, as it is, you boast and you brag. All such boasting is evil. It's arrogant. All, your boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil, it says. So you boast. What are you boasting in? When you begin to make plans without God, James is saying it's equivalent, it's, it's, it's so destructive, it's so ruinous to you because this is, the, this is the pendulum you find yourself in. You are constantly either one, puffed up with pride, or two, constantly brought down with worry. You're constantly puffed up with, I got this. I know what's going on. See, I told you. Or you're constantly worrying about like, oh, man, why is everyone else getting that? How come they got the promotion? I didn't. I worked just as hard. It didn't happen to me. I put in all my work, my paperwork. It didn't happen to me. You constantly worry. You're back and forth on this pendulum. Let me tell you what I mean, okay? When things go well for you, let's say, let's say you make a plan. You make a plan, whatever it may be. You make a plan. You make a schedule. You make a goal. And it worked out. You achieved it. It's like, yes. And you begin to say, like, I got this. I told you. I got in. I got in. I told you, Mom, I'll get into law school. I made it, right? I told you. I'll get the job, Mom. I made it. I got this. You're good. I'm good. I'm in control. I have the power, right? And what God is saying, that boast is arrogant and it's evil. You know why? Because how do you know that that's a good place for you to be in? How do you know that's actually, are you, do you have some sort of cosmic wisdom to know that by you getting there, that somehow it's going to be perfect and awesome for you? 
Let me give you an example to, 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 to bring home this point, okay? My son loves to somehow sneak candy, right? He loves it. He loves somehow to get candy, and he, and he gets kind of boastful when he gets it, you know? He gets like, he's like, you know, he, he at the restaurant, he'll like, you know, he'll, 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 he'll phrase it in such a way, he's like, wow, look at that candy, Daddy. It's so beautiful. I was like, okay. And then he'll, he'll, just, he'll just drop it off, and he'll just kind of walk away. We'll have dinner, and he, you know, he's like, Mommy, look at that. And he goes to my Mom, wow, man. There's so much of it in there, in that basket, mommy. Isn't that amazing, right? And the waitress would drop off the bill, and he'd be like, wow, if only I could have some candy, right? You know, he's just, and then, of course, you know, a sweet waitress, she'd be like, oh, okay. You know, she comes and she gives him a little candy. He's like, yeah, I got this, right? I made my goal. I made my plan. I executed it perfectly, right? I got my candy. And I tell him, how do you know that's good for you? Right? Your two front missing teeth is how I know it's not good for you. But you don't know that. Your silver teeth right now is not good for you. You got cavities galore, right? You don't know your genetics. I know your genetics, right? You got that from your mom. You've got cavities everywhere, right? <laughs> sorry, 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 right? Right? You know, like, man, I know. But you didn't know. But all he was boasting about, all he was prideful about was I got it. I got it. Isn't that like us sometimes? We, we want something so bad, and then we finally got it, and then later on we realize, it's not really great. It's not as, as, as awesome as I thought it was. You puff yourself up with pride. You're thinking that, oh, I know, what's up? And then you realize you don't know anything, right? Look at yourself 10 years ago. Look at the things you wanted 10 years ago. You're like, do I really want that now? No way. Right? Look at the things you were dreaming about 10 years ago. Now you're like, I don't want that anymore. That's, how did I even come up with that? Right? And you know, just look at the way you dressed 10 years ago. And you're like, why did I even, why was that in? How was that even possibly in? You know this naturally. Right? See, when you begin to make plans and you devoid God out of those plans, God said, it's dangerous, guys. It's destructive and it could be ruinous for your life. Because one, I know your heart. I know what you need is something strong, consistent, and constant. I know you need me. And what you're turning to is something that's always fleeting. It's here and it's gone. You, you turn to your health. I got my, my, my health will, 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 will get me through it. I'm strong. I'm a, young, I'm a young buck. I can make things. I can make things happen. And then you realize what? Eventually, like me, right, you get old, right? And then you crack your neck and you can't turn left anymore, right? That's, that's usually you, you realize that over time. But here's the worst part. So if you get what you want, you say, I know. You get all boosted up and prideful. And God says, how do you know? That's actually good for you. And then on the other spectrum of it, you want something. You plan for something. You schedule something. You set a goal for it, and you don't actually get it. You don't actually get it. What do you fall into? Worry. I'm 28 years old. still live with my mom. Why am I going to get a job? Right? My girlfriend's going to leave me for that doctor over there. Like, I'm, I'm never. And you worry. It's like, I tried to get into school, but I didn't get into school. I'm trying to get another job. I can't get a job. I'm making $15 an hour. What am I going to, I can't even afford to pay insurance. I'm screwed. You worry because you're like, you put all your bets into this one thing and it didn't show up for you. And your response is worry. So, yes, see me? When you begin to devoid God of plan, you are constantly in this pendulum. A pride, I got this. Things are great. Really? Were they? How do you know that's good for you? Or 
worry. Man, why, why, why is everyone getting their, why is everyone getting their share and I got nothing? Why is everyone, why is everyone getting their, 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 um, hitting their goals and I haven't hit mine? You're constantly back and forth here and there. You guys get what I'm talking about so far? Right? Look at the person next to you and say, plan with God. Right? Plan with God. Man. Look, the issue that James is saying is like, game changers, we plan, okay? Game changers plan, they have a plan, they execute their plans. But the issue is the difference between a game changer and someone who is not going to change anything and someone who plans it devoid of God. Because when you plan devoid of God, what happens is you get caught up in this cycle of pride and worry. And instead of actually elevating, you find yourself constantly in the spiral of, this is not enough. I got to keep chasing. This is not good enough. I got to keep going. I got to work for harder. I got to this step. I thought it was great. No, I got to keep going because it wasn't good enough. I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. You're constantly chasing because you're prideful or you're worried. You're not going to make it. I got to do this. When you got that, it's like, yeah, I made it, but it's not what I really wanted. So like, you keep making new goals and you go back and forth, back and forth. You're in this pendulum. You're spiraling downwards slowly not fast because you know if you do it fast you know right it's slow it's a slow trickle you have moments of fun in there to make you think like oh yeah everything's okay but you look at your life over a period of time and you realize something's missing something's wrong i'm not content there's a hole i'm moving back and forth and i don't find peace what's wrong the issue is you did not remember God. You didn't plan with God. Let me ask you this question. How do we remember? How can we avoid this? Look at verse 15. Okay, look at verse 15. Instead, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live. It didn't say we will do this first. He said we will live. If it's the Lord's will, we will live. The remedy for this is not to change your language into more Christianese, right? It's not for you to say, oh, it's the Lord's will. Right? God willing, like, I'm going to go and, you know, go to the school, God willing. It's not for you to be more pious in your jargon. You guys get me? It's not, it's not for you to walk up to a girl and say, I felt the Lord calling me when you walk into the door to be your future husband, right? And the girl will be like, I, he must have lost my number because I did not hear him, you know, at all. Right? But you, it's not for you to use more of Christian jargon to justify yourself. You guys get me? James is not saying, say the Lord's will, we will live. No, that's not what he's saying at all. Okay? It's not bad to say it, but I'm not saying you should use that. What James is saying is this. He says, look at your life and every part of your life. Look at your life and every part of your life right now and say, this is all because of grace. This is all because of God's unmerited favor to me. That I didn't do anything, and yet he gave it to me. Look at your life and what's going on right now and say that this is all about grace. You know why? You know why this actually stops us from that? I'm telling you why. Because like, how, does, how does me understanding grace going to stop me from doing this? How does me knowing God's grace or realize I'm living in God's grace going to stop me from this? Or stop me from pride and worry? Okay. If you are, when things go bad for you, and you, and when things go bad, and you start to worry. 
if you recognize that you are in everything that up to this point in your life, everything that you have or you don't have is by God's grace. Everything that, you, everything that you've gone through, your ups, your downs, your struggles, your, 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 your wins, your losses, your defeats, everything that you have was by the grace of God. Then all of a sudden when you do not get what you want and you face failure, you realize something. I am still under God. He is still the one that holds me up. God is still in charge of this journey, not me. I have never been in charge of the journey. God has always been in charge of the journey. And if we recognize that every part of my life, even up to this moment, even up to this moment of failure, is by God's grace. And all of a sudden you recognize, I'm not going to sink myself into this worry. Right? Some of you guys think, I don't get it. How, how does that work? Think about this. Right? Up to this point, why are you where you're at right now in life? Why are you? Because I have an education. I study. That's awesome. But what made it possible for you to actually get the education? My parents worked really hard. Right? They, they provided. They cared for me. Okay? Why did your parents go through all that? Because they faced struggle in, in Vietnam, third world country. Yeah, but why did they make it over here? Because they jumped on a boat. <laughs> became refugees. Right? And they got onto the island. But why did they make it and not someone else making it? Why didn't they die in the ocean and then someone else lived instead? Why them and not someone else? Why you and not someone else? Why was that door open for you versus not opening for other people? Why was that door? Why? And if you keep asking that question, what you come to conclusion is not because of what you've done. Somewhere along the line, somewhere in the back cosmic scheme, when the veil of spirituality is lifted, something is going on in the background that says, this is part of my control. This is part of my plan. This is part of my journey for you. And so when you begin to face worry and you understand that, that everything that I have is by grace up to this point, you step in and you realize, man, I'm not, I'm not going to be defeated by this. This breakup that I just faced, I'm not going to be destroyed by it. It's not going to eat me alive. This failure that I have that I'm not getting into the school or getting into this job is not going to define me, right? This business I wanted to start but it, it did not work out too well is not going to make me feel like I'm a loser, Right? This marriage that I began to start with and begins like really struggling is not means that I'm a bad husband or a bad wife. My child acting up does not mean that I'm a bad mother or a bad father. We are all in this place. Well, we, of course, you need to like worry, definitely. I mean, it's, it's okay to be stressed a little bit, but to be debilitating in your stress, debilitating in your worry, it's destructive. And God's saying, if you understand, everything is by my grace. You have something. You actually have a foothold to stand on and say, you know what? I can face tomorrow. So, but if you don't have that, if you don't understand, if you're not willing to even embrace that, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be swinging back and forth. One day is great. Another day is bad. One day things are beautiful. The next day things are horrible. And you live in this pendulum. See, if you understand that in this moment, if you're willing to say, I live in the grace of God. So even if you have victory, even if you made this plan and you made a goal and you succeeded, you, your business flourished, your family's flourishing, you got into the school, your relationship is working out. If you make the plan and it's flourishing, 
if you understand that you are under God's grace, you know what happens? It gives you a foothold to not puff yourself up. Because you realize even this was given to me, was offered to me by grace. I didn't, there's nothing in this. Yeah, I put energy, I put work into it, but the door that's open to me, someone has to open it. Someone had to do it. God's grace. And you, it, it keeps you leveled. It keeps you grounded. You guys get me? Right? When you understand God's grace, it keeps you grounded so that you won't be swinging on a pendulum from busted pride that thinks you know everything to wounded soul, which means you lost everything. You stay grounded in your walk of life. And who you are. Right? Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. When I was in high school, right? I was in high school. There was two friends, okay, of mine. Uh, one of them, he's like this, uh, he's like this bench-warming jock. He was a center for our football team, right? Did not do well. He's a bench-warmer. He's just, he just, you know, he's Asian, so he just sat on the bench most of the time, right? And so, like, but he played football because he wanted to play football, but he, he was there. And he, he didn't want to apply to college because he thought he was a 2.8 GPA, 980. I remember this because it's a very shocking story to my heart, right? 2.8 GPA, 980 on his SATs, right? And he's thinking, I'm not going to get into I'm just going to at best go to a JC and then see where the Lord, see where things take me, you know? That's, a, his, that's his goal, okay? Another friend of mine, right, she was president of Key Club. She was vice president of ASB, okay? She was 4.2 GPA, right? 15-something on her SAT. I can't remember the last part, right? 15-something on her SATs. Huge. Both apply, she applied to Berkeley, only Berkeley, okay? Because that's, like, that's how, like, confident she was that she was going to get in, okay? Only Berkeley. This homie, okay, he was like, I'm just going to go to JC. So what did we do? We like, try to be encouraging. He's like, hey, no, man, apply to other colleges. Who knows? You know, like, you might get in. I don't know, man, like, you think with a 2.8, 980? And our heart's like, yeah, you ain't going to get anywhere, right? <laughs> right? But, you know, you're trying to be encouraged. Like, no, man, just give it a shot. Apply to some Cal States. Who knows, right? Something might happen. You might, doors might be open for you, you know? That's when college is a lot cheaper, cheaper now, right, than it was uh, now. So he said, okay, okay. So his brother comes to me the day after the application comes out, and he says, hey, man, Tony, thank you so much for uh, help, uh, encouraging me to apply for school. I got into a college. I'm like, hey, man, congratulations. You got into college. Like, which college? I said, I got into Cal State. I'm like, sweet. Which one, right? He said, I got into Cal State Berkeley, right? <laughs> and I was like, what? Right? What do you mean you got into Cal State Berkeley? He's like, yeah, Cal Berkeley, right? I said, like, Berkeley doesn't have a Cal State, homie, right? He said, no, no, look, I look at the letter. So he opens the letter. I'm reading it. I'm like, I'm just shocked right now. I'm like, you know it says University of California Berkeley here, right? He said, I thought they all say university. I said, no, no, they don't. <laughs> and I'm looking at it. It's like, you gone to UC Berkeley? He said, I gone to UC Berkeley? I was, like, I, I, I was like, I didn't even know you applied, right? Like, I thought you were going to apply to Cal State. I was like, I did, right? You know, like, back then the application was on paper. So, like, it was just, like, alphabetically, right? It was Cal Berkeley. So he just saw Cal, and he just kind of marked it. That's, I swear, that's what he did. He just marked it, and he's like, okay. And then he skipped all the university. Everything was UCI, UC Irvine. He skipped all of that. Cal Berkeley, right? He got in. Oh, my it was the talk of the school, right? It was like, first people were like, you know, oh, he must have gotten because of the football scholarship. It's like, no, he did not. He's a bench warmer. There's no way he got it for a football scholarship. You know, there's no way. It was crazy. I mean, it was the talk of the school. He, he went from not wanting anything, right, to getting to a very prestigious, I mean, he, he graduated now. He's, he's doing great, okay? He, he made it, okay? So he, he was actually kind of scared. Like, should I go? I don't know if I'll make it, right? He made it. He, he, he's doing great, okay? 
Now this girl, oh man. So when she heard he got in, she was like, oh, for sure, I got in, right? She got rejected. It ruined her. Like, I've never, can I tell you, when you make a plan and it's all you have, it is your dream, your hope, your wish, it is your direction, it is your identity. When she didn't get it, it ruined her, destroyed her. She couldn't believe it. She felt unworthy. She felt dumb. She felt, how could I have lost to a benchwarming jock, right? It was, it was, it was so sad. But like, some of us are like, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. It's, it's kind of a weird situation right now, right? It's like, did you apply to any of those schools? Like, no. I said, why? Because right? it was just this, you know. That was a whole different story, okay? But here's the thing. So she took the long route. She went to JC because that's all she could do. <laughs> she go to JC, right, worked away. Eventually got into Berkeley and graduated, right? And then a little later, she found the Lord, right? She met the Lord, and, and, and surprisingly, UC Berkeley, right? Um, and this is what she said afterwards during one of our, one of the time we met, to, met up with each other. She said, you know, when I did not get in, it ruined me. It ruined me because it was all I had. And I didn't realize how important this prestige, this fame, and this identity was to me until I no longer had it. And it kept me in a place of constant worry and stress for my future, for my life. But after she met the Lord, what happened was she began to see something different. She saw that even in that journey of JC and all that stuff that happened in between, ultimate to Berkeley, she said, I could not have planned a better plan for my life. That this was the trajectory that God wanted for me to go. Right? But I did not realize it until I embraced his grace. Because until I embraced his grace, all I felt was worry or pride. All I felt was shame right, or big-headedness. That's all I felt. That's all I went through. But until I embraced that grace, I felt grounded. I felt able to move forward. I felt that even in my defeat... There is a purpose. See, the Bible says what? God works out all things. Okay, listen. God works out all things for the good for those who love him. He works out all things for the good. So even in defeat, she understood. Because she understood grace. Everything up to that point was not hers to create. She thought it was hers until she realized she couldn't do it. But it was the best journey for her because it brought her to that place. You guys follow me? Right? So here's the thing, guys. We should plan. I'm not telling you guys to go out there and just, like, you know, do everything without planning. Please don't do that. It's going to be chaos, right? Some of you guys love that. You're like, I just live in the moment. Right? I, need, I need to have that excitement. Right? But sometimes it's planning is smart. Okay, guys? Be, be planners. But when you plan, James is saying there is a destructive, evil, ruinous way by which you can plan. And that destructive, ruinous way is it's destructive to you, ruinous to you, and painful to you when you plan without remembering God in it, taking God out of the picture. Because one, it shows you what is truly driving your heart. And what's driving your heart comes and goes. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And what's driving your heart, right, it leaves you in a place that's constantly puffed up with pride or brought down with worry. You're on this pendulum. It's destructive. God said it's destructive for you. It's evil. It's boasting. It's boastful arrogance. You're fooled because you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. 
and you somehow feel like you have the cosmic wisdom to understand everything, which you don't. And here's the final thing. How, how does God hold us up then? How does he keep us grounded through this? How does he keep us grounded through this journey? How does he keep us understanding this grace? How? That's it. Jesus, right? It's through Jesus. Can I tell you why? Because I told you, forget, being forgotten is worse than being criticized, yes? And yet God was willing to forget his son, Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? Night before he went to the cross, you know why he was crying, bleeding, why he was so stressed out? It wasn't because he was about to physically feel pain. I mean, that's pretty painful too, right? But the thing that feared, that, that brought the most pain to Christ was that he would be forgotten by God the Father. He, he spent his whole entire existence in relationship and connection to the Father, never being forgotten. And to this moment, he knew he would have to be forgotten. Why? So that God would remember you. So that instead of forgetting you in your journey of forgetting him, through Christ, he covers all of us. He says, because I have forgotten Christ, that gives me the opening to remember you. See, in the gospel, what we have is we have a God who says, I remember you. I will hold you up. My grace will pour it out to you. It's poured out unto you. It's yours. Not because you deserve it, but because someone else was willing to take the blow for you. That's, that's the beauty of who Christ is. And when we begin to put God into our plans, when we begin to plan with God, look at the person next to you and say, plan with God. Right? When you begin to plan your relationships with God, when you begin to plan your life around God, when you begin to plan your work, your school around God, what you begin to see is a life that's grounded, not tossed back and forth, a life that has the ability to stand and face tomorrow, not a life that says, like, I'm just going to deal with it, whatever, and just kind of forget about it and let the anger, that pain, and the destructiveness continue to poison you. You guys get me? Right? Not let, not let that pain and toxicness of brokenness begin to eat at you from the inside out, killing you slowly, slowly, because it's never fast, right? Driving you into a person that is an empty shell. He says, let me ground you in my grace. Plan with me. Plan with me. The game changers, when they plan with God, you know what begins to happen? Even in defeat, they see victory, right? Game changes when they plan with God, even in victory, they understand there's more to come, right? Game changers, you don't give up. You don't lose yourself. You don't become so broken that you can't stand up because at the heart of it, you know you have a God that has poured out his grace upon you and continues to do it now and forever.